Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. like many others, and I'm sure you experienced this, when we would head over to a Wikipedia page before this 10 pounds of gold, and we'd see 52, 53-year-old Tim Storm as NWA champion, we'd think, that's a little unconventional. How did that happen? Right. What what type of reactions did you get before 10 pounds of gold about your age as it relates to being a world champion? Well, I think it, I think it really depends on, you know, from whom and where uh, that the reactions came. You know, prior to the change in ownership, um, you know, I'm, I think for the most part I have, I'm pretty well known in, in, in the South and the Southwest. You know, I, I wrestle in basically an eight or ten state area pretty often and travel quite a bit. And, and those people know me, respect me, accept me. Um, and, my, and really, to be honest with you, uh, other than Wikipedia, which most people don't check, most people didn't know my age. And, you know, for the, mo- for the most part – I don't, I am, well, well, I shouldn't say, I'm going to say it, but I don't think I look 53. Um, you know, I stay in, I try to stay in the best possible shape I can. And, you know, I, just for whatever, for, you know, genetics or whatever, I don't think that I, if somebody looks at me, they may say, yeah, he's in his 40s or whatever. But um, it wasn't until the 10 pounds of gold um, that I opened those areas of my life that I've protected for so long up to public. And that just came about more from, you know, William Patrick Corrigan and, and, and Dave Lagana and I building just a trust, um, you know, where I knew that I could trust them. And they told me what kind of what their direction was, which is we want, we want the 10 pounds of gold to be real. You know, we want, we want to show people who you really are. We want to, we want to tell stories, but we want the stories based because we believe everybody has a good story. We believe you have a good story. Um, there were really three areas of my, of my private life, my personal life 
that I have really guarded for 20-something years in wrestling, and one was my age. Uh, I didn't start, I didn't even start training until I was 30 or 31. And the other was, you know, my, my job, uh, you know, being a, I think most, at least old school wrestlers like myself, we didn't let, you know, the term was we didn't let people behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, you know, we're professional wrestlers full time. And, you know, the kind of the, 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 the kind of the ongoing joke is, you know, of course we ride in a limo everywhere and we're millionaires. You know, that's, that's the persona that I think everybody wants. And then the other is I really was very guarded of my, my family. Um, I didn't really feel, feel like they would, there was any benefit to letting people know who they were and what they were. And I've been very protective of those three things. But, uh, you know, as, as we built a relationship and trust, you know, with, with Billy and Dave, I just opened those things up uh, to them. And the initial reaction, the, I guess maybe even before the first episode, but as I was being introduced, um, you know, by the NWA and, and the world was kind of seeing who I was from a different level, the first few re- the first couple of weeks' reactions were really all based around my age. And to be honest, some of it was pretty brutal. Um, but as the as the ten pounds goes episode started to air, I think for the most part the the reaction was very positive. You know, you're never going to get a hundred percent of anything one way or the other. Um, but you know, maybe ninety five, ninety seven percent after the first couple of episodes aired, it became more and more positive all the time. And really, people have it, it's been pretty amazing. Uh, people reaching out, and even even now, I'm, I, can, I continue to get, you know, people find a way to find, you know, a, a private Facebook message, and you know, obviously, you can get a messenger even if you're not friends, yeah. and they're still reaching out to me, uh, and it's all very, very positive. So it's, it, it, you know, the last few months have been phenomenal. Um, it, it's been a really good ride, and the the production quality and the editing, the music, and the storytelling that, you know, that uh, Billy and Dave have shown with the Ten Pounds of Gold. It's it's been a pleasure to be a part of. So initially, last year, when you become NWA champion, how do you find out that you're getting that that distinct honor? You mean on the initial one? Well, it was yeah. It was it was a long process. Um, I I believe in the NWA, and I'm not the only one. Um, you know, James Beard was I think he's I think his official term was you know personnel director and talent talent you know director for the old NWA. Really good friend of mine, uh, Bruce Tharp, president, and I had I, I carried the NWA North American title twice, uh, one for an extended period of time, and lost it to Jack Dane when he had the national, and then um, the second second time I carried it, lost a couple of months before winning the world, uh, lost to Tyson Dean in Georgia, and had wrestled Jacks. I can't remember if it was two or three times. I know once in Las Vegas, once in Mississippi, and I can't remember where the other one was. And, you know, I guess at that point I was kind of recognized as, okay, you know, he's got something. We like what he's got. Uh, if we make a change, he's an option. And, you know, to Jack Dane's credit as a champion, uh, he had beat me, I think. I, I want to say, I know he had beat me three times. One of those might have been a disqualification. But, uh, you know, you beat somebody three times, you you don't necessarily have to, you know, honor, honor a fourth match or rematch. Yeah. And he was, you know, he did that, and he did it at – my basically my home base um, at the time it was NWA Texoma in Sherman Texas and he came to my hometown in front of my home crowd and um, you know and I I knew I, I legitimately knew it was gonna be my last shot at the title uh, and it was boy I don't want to say it was one of the most emotional nights of my life but I will say it's the most emotional wrestling night of my life uh, 
I think you know, that's one of the things that, that makes people connect with you because, like I said, I would check on Wikipedia and I would see 50-something-year-old NWA champion and I would say that's odd, that maybe even a little suspicious. I watch right. 10 pounds of gold and all of a sudden I, I see what it means to you. I see yeah. how important it is to you. And I'm like, wow, now I can connect to this guy. Now I can sympathize with this guy. I can, You're a mountain of a man, and I can sympathize with you. That's a problem a lot of wrestlers have is like, how do you sympathize with a guy who is built of muscle? Like how, how is that an underdog? But like I see your story on 10 Pounds of Gold, and I was like, that's, that's a story I've never heard. Well, and I, and I guess, I guess uh, you know, Billy and Dave recognize that. You know, but it, it's it, it's a thing where, like like a lot of guys, you know, whether they're my age or, or or you know, I would say probably 40s, 50s, maybe late 30s, grew up watching wrestling, and the wrestling that we grew up watching, especially for me, um, you know, in the 70s and 80s, and then you know even into the 90s a little bit, you know, I was fortunate. I grew up in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and I I scheduled my Saturdays around wrestling. Um, I got Memphis, you know. What at USWA in the morning, uh, you know, with Jerry Lawler and, and you know, Bill Dundee and all those guys. Every after, every Saturday afternoon, I got Georgia Championship Wrestling, which was an, you know NWA based Four Horsemen, Mr. Wrestling Number Two, uh, Butch Reed, you know, all those all those greats. Um, and then in, in the evenings, I got World Class with the Von Erichs. So I you know three times three times every Saturday, I was really watching wrestling. But the core of that for me built a love for the NWA and. That to me, that was wrestling. National Wrestling Alliance. It just wasn't any better. And and you know, historically speaking, if you look at the, the champions, it, it, it's a who's who of professional wrestling. It's you know, and I mean, go back to Luthez. Uh, I think I think that I think the official date is 1943, but there are some that say you can you can trace that back to 1908. Mm-hmm. And you go through, but you go, okay, well, you know, Luthez. I was a huge Harley Race fan. Um, you know, you, you Terry Funk, Dory Funk. You know, you just come down that list, and it's, you know, and, and, and during my era of watching it, you know, Ric Flair was the champion for a majority of that time with the Four Horsemen, and I'm a big Arn Anderson fan. Um, you know, but watching that progress, and, I, you know, I, 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 some people have said, did you, did you fulfill a dream? I never dreamed that high. You know, when I got into wrestling, my goal was to have some matches and be a professional wrestler. Um, you know, I didn't say, I want to set out to win the greatest title in the history of wrestling, you know. So to the night that I won it, um, it was, I don't know, I guess maybe as I get older I become more emotional, but, you know, it, I legitimately dropped to my knees and, and couldn't couldn't stop crying. Because, you know, wrestlers don't cry, you know, that's not part, that's not part of wrestling. Um, but I, I couldn't have stopped it if I wanted to, and I didn't want to. It was a, you know, it was, I knew at that moment that I had reached for me uh, the top of wrestling for me. And it may not be the top for anybody else. You know, but for me personally, I knew that that, and that's where that term came from. I wasn't trying to come up with a cliche, but I knew I had I had reached my mountaintop of wrestling, and you know nobody knew at the time, including me, how long I'd be able to hold on to it. You know, I didn't know if it was going to be a week. You know, I saw somebody send me a thing the other day, you know, with dates and all that kind of stuff, and said that I had, I think they said I had held it for 414 days, but they had talked about Terry Von Erich and a couple other guys who had held it for five days, and I did at the time of winning it. I didn't know if it was going to be a week, a month, but I knew, <laughs> I knew that they couldn't take my name off that list, uh, and and that was a that was a moment just of pure joy, you know. And 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 now you know, 400 and whatever days later, it's still just as amazing and just as emotional, and still, 
I've, I've listened to a lot of different things, and I'm not going to call the guy out because you know, everybody's got their opinion. I've listened to a wrestler who's basically saying he didn't agree with my approach mm-hmm. as as the champion that, that you shouldn't be humble. You know, you should say I'm I am the champion, and nobody's going to be in it. But I'm just me, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm very transparent, and what you see is what you get. And some people like it, some people don't. And, and you know, truthfully, I'm okay with either one of those because it's it's really who I am. So when I when I spoke to Dave Lagana. He told me about some of the difficulties in transitioning essentially from a governing body to, as of right now, it's a championship that, that's yeah. active right now, possibly a promotion moving forward. And he told me that you were the only real person that he dealt with. And that, I don't want to say only, but one of the few real people that he dealt right. with in that situation because there were a lot of a lot of people trying to take him and Billy for whatever they could. What, what were your initial impressions of Billy and Dave and your reaction to them kind of gaining control of the NWA, something that you were the cornerstone of at that point? Well, the, the irony of this is that I found out just like everybody else, um, which I didn't quite understand at the time. You know, Now, removed however many months later, it, it makes more sense. But you know, I, I guess under during negotiations for – the purchase and all those kind of things, they were in a non-disclosure agreement where there was no discussion going on. And I don't remember the date. I know that it was the date that a lot of guys were flying to Las Vegas for the CAC, um, Cauliflower Alley Club. And, and that's a big deal you know, to a lot of people every year. And I was not wrestling on it, so I wasn't going. And my phone, you know, I'm a school teacher. I'm in class. And my, my phone just explodes uh, with wrestlers and promoters and, you know, friends and whoever saying, is it true? Does that right? Did, you know, did, did, did the NWA sell? Is it true? Did Billy Corgan buy it? And I don't know any of the answers. So I'm sitting there you know, as, as the world champion of, of, of an organization that, you know, apparently has changed ownerships. So my, to answer your question, my approach on the whole thing, I, I, I approach life and I approach, wrestling, I tried to do things in a professional way. So the way I was looking at it was it, it, it's out of my control about who the owner is and how they're going, you know, how they're going to you know, go forward. Because there was a lot of, I'm sure there was a lot of discussion, people asking me, you know, don't you think that as they move forward, they're probably going to want to make a splash and, and probably get the, get the world title on Somebody who's well known. Do you think they were going to ask you? Did you think that they were going to take it off of you immediately? You know, I thought that was obviously for me a possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And truthfully, while that would have been a little disappointing, I also would have done that without hesitation, because you know, (laughs) to me, this is really simple. It, it, I don't own that world title. Um, I hold that world title as an honor. And I, I earned, you know, I think I paid the price and I earned the ability to carry it. But as far as pure ownership, it's not mine. So if, if they come to me and say, hey, here's what we want you to do, or here's the plan, or here's who we're going with because we believe that's our future, I, in my opinion, I don't have a choice but to say, okay, you know, it's yours. I, I get it. So, you know, it, it, I never would have dreamed that – the, the result would come out like it did. Um, so, I, you know, I, truthfully, I would have done whatever they wanted me to do because I believe that's the professional way to do it. And, you know, that's how I try to approach life in general. Um, 
but especially professional wrestling. I, I think I think the business deserves that. So, man, you know, it, it's not a lot of guys that at 53 become better known than they ever have been in their oh, yeah. 20-something year career. Um, it's not, you know, it's not many guys who get an opportunity to to get a run like I have gotten over the last three or four months, you know, at what potentially could be at the, at the end of their career. So, well, I mean, what a great way to go. If this is it for me, and I don't know, I haven't made a decision yet. If this is it for me, what a great way to go out. And, 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 you know, thank you, Billy and Dave, you know, cause it's, they could have, they could have made another decision. You, you have spoken about how maybe some promoters have offered to pay you to <laughs> drop the title or do something with the title ahead of that, that situation. What goes through your mind when you're you're given that offer? Because as Dave said, it the amount you were offered is probably more than what they were going to give you. Oh, definitely. It, it was, you know, and I'm not going to lie and say I didn't think about it. Um, I didn't take it serious. But anytime money money's part of the equation, you know, I think anybody would be lying to say, no, that's I won't even think about it because that's just that that would be a lie. Um, you know, when somebody offers me, and I'm not, I don't want to get into who and where. And, sure. You know, how much, because I don't, you know, I don't want to throw anybody on the bus, but, you know, there were some guys who's, who, and, and they were very tricky about it. I don't mean to me, because they were, they were telling me what they want, but they were giving me, they were giving me a, uh, a way to kind of opt out of the, you know, you can pretend like you didn't know this was going to happen or, and, but again, if, if, if I'm sincere and I am about approaching this stuff professionally, that, that couldn't even be a possibility. Um, you know, so again, again, I'm not gonna lie. When money starts getting thrown around, it gets your attention. But it's still, no matter how much money, it doesn't make it the right thing to do. And and if I'm, if if I do something like that, then everything that I have said that I am, and everything that I've said that the NWA World's Title means to me, it then becomes a lie. Because I my my, my goal. When I, when I started making the NWA a priority before, you know, under the old ownership, my goal was to try to do anything I could to make the NWA more relevant because, you know, a lot of people say it wasn't relevant at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I mean, that, that if, if I'm sincere about that, then those things weren't even an option. Um, I'm going to do what's best for the NWA, for the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and, and for the future of, you know, hopefully what is going to be a great future for, you know, for the promotion. So, yeah, you know, tempting, sure. I'm not, I'm not a liar, uh, but I'm also, you know, it, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a legitimate, even decision. I just, it was easy, you know, do the right thing. Yeah, it's kind of the direction I'm working on a long form on, and I've talked to you and uh, Dave Lagana, Dan Severn, and a couple other people about how ten pounds of gold made me care about this again. Like I didn't, yeah. I was just like. Okay, here we go again, and we we've seen in the past like Colt Cabana and Adam Pierce try to make people care again, and it, the right. like the rug kind of got pulled from underneath them. We often hear about politics with the the like the fabled board of NWA, like having a board in 2016, 2017, and how different that is. Did you ever face any of those types of politics as the champion? I know that they existed. Um... I didn't deal with them personally. You know, I, I have a very, and I'm not always right, by the way, but I have a very clear vision, um, a very clear definition in my head of what an NWA World's Champion should be and how he should conduct business and 
how he should uh, deal with different, you know, at the time, I don't know. There were any, it varied a lot over the years. You know, sometimes I think they were up to 50 and sometimes they were in the, you know. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 20-something promotions, affiliates. Um, but as I went to those different promotions, I went in really with one goal, and that was to represent the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship in the best way possible. Um, you know, and, and that's what I tried to do. All those political things that happened, fortunately for me, that, that was being handled by – mostly I want to give James Beard the credit for that because I know his job became to put out fires. Um, and I know it was very frustrating for him at times where the politics would pop up and his job was to, you know, well, he took it upon himself to try to put those fires out to be the voice of reason. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to deal with a lot of those personally. Now there were times when I could show up at a promotion and, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of saw my role and I don't, and again, I want to be careful. I don't want to compare myself to anybody as far as wrestling ability or any of that, I, I, but I saw my role as world champion. I wanted to be more in the Ric Flair mold. Um, for me, what that meant was I want to come into a promotion. I want to wrestle whoever it is that they've, you know, they've they booked me against, and I want that person. I want everybody in the building to believe that that person had a legitimate shot at the NWA World Title. Um, now, when you come into those situations. And again, it's the it's the advantage to having wrestled for this long. When you come into those situations, there's two or three things that they want to do, and you have to be really careful. Um, you know, I think everybody in the world, in wrestling world, knows what a dusty finish is. Mm-hmm. But if you're in, if you're in a situation where um, <laughs> you don't personally know and trust the people that are that are doing that, you're putting yourself, the NWA, and the NWA World's title in a precarious situation. Um, you know, because there have been dusty finishes that didn't get turned. You know, yes, um, the bell has rung and it was over, and all of a sudden you're not champion. So Dan Severn you know, there, uh, in 2002, he told me about one about how yeah. he didn't know yeah, that and, he was going to be champion, and then he was at the end of that match. Yeah, and 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 I mean, if I am if I am representing the NWA and I am the one that they have chosen to be their world champion, I have to make sure I'm not putting myself in a situation where I let them down. 
Um, and now, fortunately, it, of, of all the gifts that I have, because I'm, you know, I'm, uh, there are a lot of ways, a lot of areas that I'm that I fall short of things. But I'm a pretty decent communicator, and that means that if I get in a situation and a promoter says, "Here's what I want to do," I can usually say, "Well, you know, I'm not." Instead of saying no, and then, you know, I can say, "You know, I'm not 100% comfortable with that. Can we do this?" and, and offer an alternative, and, and and you know, kind of walk through it with them. And so, I mean, there's a lot of ways to handle that. But from a political standpoint, I dealt with that more than I did the board of directors and all those kind of things. And and really, the last few, maybe I don't even know, maybe most of the time that uh, that Bruce Tharp owned it, there was not so much a board of directors as much as there was, you know, one or two guys that had input and that trust, you know, that that, that had the ear and trusted, uh, and they made the decisions. So it wasn't it wasn't like it used to be with, you know. 18 affiliates or you know world territories who are all vying for their for their guy to be the champion uh, it didn't really work that way over the last five or six years you know so i didn't have to deal with the political side that much how was your relationship with bruce tharp uh, when he was in control and do you maintain a relationship with him now I, we we got along great um you know all of us all of us have strong points and weak points and i'm sure bruce did too but I know that, you know, where some people question some of Bruce's decision making, he loved the NWA, and when he bought the NWA, it wasn't a selfish thing. He was trying to make it better. Um, you know, there was there will be those that argue one way or another whether or not he was successful. Um, but over a period of time, it's just like anything. It's like okay, it's any other job. If you go in and you do a job at position one and prove yourself, you get a you know you have an opportunity at a promotion. And they trust you with something else, and you prove you can do that, and you get another promotion. And that's kind of the way it worked. Um, so, I mean, Bruce, Bruce and I had a good relationship. We, after the sale, I think he has he has intentionally laid low, um, where I think he wanted, you know, there were a lot of affiliates, and I won't say all, but many affiliates who were really unhappy that the NWA sold, uh, especially once the decision was made not to really have affiliates anymore. Um, and I think that put Bruce because of, and I, again, I hate to speak for him because he's, you know, I haven't, he hasn't told me this personally, but my, my guess would be that because of the non-disclosure and the fact that he couldn't tell anybody, it put him in a weird spot that all the affiliates who basically were coming into, uh, Las Vegas thinking that they were going to be having a meeting, uh, about the future of the NWA found out all at the same time that it had been sold and nobody knew what was going to happen. So I think he has kind of intentionally laid low and, you know, I, I don't believe in any way that he's, you know, he's completely done with wrestling. But um, we don't talk much. But when we do, it's it's on very good terms. And you know, I would say we still have a good relationship. Uh, we just, you know, just not one of those things where we talk a lot. How does the NWA not having affiliates affect you personally? Because I'm sure that with, well, I know that with 10 pounds of gold, your your booking schedule has changed a little bit, popping up at CZW and House of Hardcore and right. things like that. But now, without those NWA affiliates and stuff, how does that affect you? Well, let me let me address it as from a champion standpoint. Um, sure. The original agreement, the original agreement for an NWA affiliate or a franchise, is that they were supposed to use the champion once a year, and I think the and I hope I'm hope I'm, I'm right, but I think it was and two other champions anytime during the year. So you basically had 12 months to to fulfill three bookings, and that you know the idea there is is that. You're getting to see what the NWA considers the best of their their talent, 
but also it helps the best of their talent by guaranteeing those bookings. And you know, many of the affiliates did that. Many of them didn't do that. Um, now, as it, how it affects me personally, you know, it 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 changed. There were affiliates in I don't I don't know how many states, but there were quite a few states, and it wasn't just in the South or the Southwest. It was, you know, we had there were there were. I know at one point there was one in Australia, and there was some discussion about England. Anyway, there was a lot of different places. But the way it's changed for me now is instead of, you know, instead of getting, well, and again, it's not me now, but you know, it, it turned from, okay, I can drive, you know, if I want to, if I'm willing to invest in it, I can drive from Texas to uh, Dyersburg, Tennessee, or I can, and that's seven hours, you know, or I can drive from here to. Amarillo, Texas, or, you know, I mean, there's most of those places, a lot of them were drivable. Many of them, you know, you could apply it, but it's a whole different ball game when you're, you know, when you're doing once a month in LA, uh, going to New York and Philadelphia, um, you know, that it, it's a different form of travel. Um, but it's, and maybe it, maybe it's a bit, I, I had a blast. I wouldn't, I enjoyed every bit of that. You know, it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I won't say I'm still a fan, but a lot of those guys, I don't get to see much. Um, you know, I've, popping up at the house of hardcore and Tommy dreamer calling you to the ring. He and I have, have tagged together. We've wrestled against each other, but you know, over the last 10 years, that's probably only been four or five times. So, you know, it's fun to show up at those places, uh, especially when you're not necessarily expected and pop up and see guys you don't get to see very often and, and represent what still has prestige in the business. And I know a lot of people say, well, you know, and this is something I've run into for a long time. The NWA that people would say the NWA is not what it, what it used to be. Well, and my argument was always, I don't think wrestling, especially if you're looking at the old history of wrestling, wrestling's not what it used to be. Uh, you can't lose, you know, go go through the name of those 80s and 90s guys that, that represented professional wrestling, and they were some of the best in the history of the business. You can't take out that generation of guys and say wrestling is, is what it used to be. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. But within the business itself, uh, you go to a promotion somewhere, and I've told this story before, and I'm not going to use his name, but, you know, I was I was at a pretty big show getting dressed, and, you know, I'm, I'm lacing my boots up, and I've got the world title sitting on my bag, and a very well-known wrestler walked by, and he saw it, and he just he just froze. And he looked at it, and he looked at me, and he goes, is that really it? And I went, it is. And he goes, can I touch it? Can I hold it? <laughs> and it even so within the business, the love and the respect – for the prestige of, of the NWA world's title is there. Um, you know, it hasn't, Billy and Dave are now bringing it back to the forefront. And the, the amount of traction that we've gotten, they, we've gotten over the last three months is, is, is fantastic. And there's way more to come. Um, it's just, like I said, it's just, it's just such a blessing. So, so great to be a part of it. So as we wrap up, I, I want your thoughts on how your, series of matches with uh, Nick Aldis went like at, from a performance standpoint? Uh, okay. And this, this one, I mean, I have two opinions of the matches because first off in a promo, Nick, Nick made the comment about that there are different levels of wrestling. And, and to be honest, uh, to be honest with myself and, and I have told Mr. Aldis this, uh, I had no idea what he meant because the truth is, and I could get, you know, tortured for this. The truth is I really thought I could wrestle with anybody in the world and I can, but I realized when I got in the ring with him the first time, what he meant by different levels. And from a technical standpoint, even from a, a knowledgeable standpoint, 
he was on a whole different level. Um, now I've, I've told, I've told somebody that, and they said, well, yes, but in my world, I don't get the opportunity. I had not gotten the opportunity to be in the ring with that quality. And here's, here's the weird thing. I really have been in the ring with some of the greatest wrestlers in the world. And I mean, if I, and I, I'm not a name dropper, but let me just, let me use one. I've wrestled AJ Styles a dozen times and he's a good friend and we have great matches. But when I got in there with Nick and I don't know if it was a, a point where, you know, maybe because I don't, I don't know what the situation was. I coming out of the first match. Um, I was a little disappointed in myself. Now I went back and watched it. Uh, and I, and I, I watched it when it, you know, after it happened and, and was, didn't even want to finish the match. Um, and watching it, but I went back later and watched that. Went, oh, okay. Well, I was too hard on myself. I still would do a lot of things differently, but it wasn't near as bad as it was in my mind. Um, this this last match with 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 Nick Aldis was completely different in in makeup and content and the story we told because I believe wrestling is telling stories and much shorter. But I was very pleased with the story we told in both matches. Um, I took, I came away from the first one as a challenge saying, okay, well, these are some things I need to improve on. Um, he's incredibly talented. He's, he's a big guy. He's strong. He's technically more than proficient. He's, he's phenomenal. Uh, I do not pride myself on being a technical wrestler. I am way more comfortable punching somebody in the mouth than I am, you know, trying, trying to work a technical match. And I, I know that that's my strength. In that first match, I tried to do things outside of my norm and outside of things that I'm comfortable with, and I think that kind of backfired on me a little bit. But, again, it's a learning experience, and, and I would tell anybody, no matter how long they've been wrestling, that if you ever get to the point in the business where you think you know everything, you probably need to get out because you've become complacent and you're never going to know everything. So oh, I, looked Jerry, at, I, took, I, I heard I took an interview with Jerry Lynn recently. He said the main reason he was upset he couldn't keep wrestling is because he still had so much to learn. Yeah. You know, when I, when I trained, um, however many years ago, 20, whatever years ago, the guy that trained me said, it's going to take you seven years to even understand what you're doing and the basics. And I remember wrestling for two years thinking, oh, he, he's full of it. I know I got it now. I've got it. And then I remember like two years later. So at the four year mark, looking back going, wow, at two years, I knew nothing. And now I've got it. <laughs> and, and the last 20 something years have just been a constant reevaluation and, 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 re, you know, trying to figure out, okay, you, you never stop learning you ne you, if, and you never, you should never stop improving. And while my body is, is breaking down, um, you know, physically, I can't do things that I could have done even three or four years ago. Um, mentally, I think my game is stronger than ever. And, and my cardio, it never lets me down. I'm always in great shape. You know, my strength is still there. It's just, you know, injuries don't heal um, as quickly, and sometimes they feel like never when you get uh, when you get older. And those are the things that I have to deal with. But I hope I hope that I'm smart enough and honest enough that I ever get to that point where it's it's affecting my matches so much that it, you know that I need to step away. I hope I know that it's time to do that, and, and that's part of the evaluation process. That you know, after, you know, losing losing to Nick Aldis, uh, that's part of the evaluation process I'm in now. I'm looking. I'm looking at the situation. I'm looking at myself. I'm, I'm evaluating injuries and, and saying, okay, is this something that's going to heal or is it not? Um, you know, and I, I haven't made a decision yet. 
but uh, you know, I, 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 part of part of the advantage of being older and wiser is you learn not to make decisions in an emotional state because usually an emotional decision is usually the wrong decision. Oh, we see we see that all the time. We cover a lot of MMA at, at Fightful, and I yeah. can't count the number of guys this year alone who have retired after losing matches, and then three weeks later you see them accepting fights and they're booked. Right, right. Well, and, and I'm not knocking anybody out there, but I don't ever want to be, and some of the greatest in the business have done this, but I never want to be the guy that retires and comes back and retires and comes back. Sure. If, I'm, if I make that decision, um, you know, it, I, I, want to, I want to know it's the right decision. And the problem, the biggest problem with that is my passion for wrestling. My passion for the wrestling business is so strong that I can't imagine stepping away from something and, and thinking I'm never going to be have the opportunity to do that, do what I love to do again after 20 something years. So that's that's a huge decision for me. It's not something I'm going to take lightly. And and I you know I'll be honest, I don't want to stop wrestling, but I also have to be honest enough and, and try to make a decision on it if, if it's time to stop or not. Um, and again, I want to be really clear. I haven't made a decision one way or the other, you know, so I'm not, I'm not hinting that I'm done. I'm not hinting that I'm not done. I don't know yet. I found this out that you once teamed up with Ahmed Johnson. Please walk me through that experience. <laughs> we did. I love, I love Tony. I, I thought, I mean, great guy. I, we did a series of matches at PCW. Um, and it, it started out where Ahmed came in. We had a faction called the dark circle and you know I, I, our leader was <laughs> our leader was a guy named uh shadow who became dallas who then became a missing one in there but uh then became lance archer and now his real name is lance hoyt um you know who's very well known with sure. new japan and he and you know he and harry smith the tag team part but anyway our, that was our faction and ahmed came in and basically just let us destroy him for about Six weeks, week in, week out, we were killing him. And on the big payoff night, he he ran a three against one. Uh, it was everybody but Lance. And he he came in, he walked in with his WrestleMania jacket on, and he goes, he goes, all right, all right, boys, here's what's going to happen. I've been putting you over for six weeks. Tonight I get mine back. So he took all three of us, stacked us on a table, climbed to the top rope, and he said he was going to hit an elbow. And I remember laying, there were two guys on top of me looking up, and my tag team partner was right on top of me, and I whispered in his ear, that's not an elbow. And he hit the most nasty 340-pound splash I've ever taken. And uh, But but we, we went on and, and did some different angles, and, and he and I ended up uh, running a tag match against, I think it was a couple of guys called the Cowboys of Hell, which was Scott Putsky and uh, Cedric Crane, who were great workers, great body guys. Real physical, but yeah, we got along great, and you know I know a lot of some guys out there may have negative Ahmed stories, but my, I have none of them. He I loved watching him as a kid. Yeah. I loved watching yeah. him as a kid. I think he was one of the what was he? Uh, oh man, I, I remember him being called the, the one, a workhorse mm-hmm. champion. You know, it was one of the, the guy who seemed to defend the title on every show. Yeah. I, I remember watching him slam Yokozuna as a child, and I was always enamored. Always thought that was so cool. Yep. He did it yep. like so effortlessly. Uh, Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 